Inomine Cinema e TV e Spiritus Streaming. Amen. Hello, Hollywood faithful. This is not the intro we planned on doing, because on Tuesday, the WGA decided to go on strike. Now, Megan is a member of the WGA and is actually just coming home from a meeting to discuss sort of the talking points and for the for the WGA to answer any questions that members had. Megan, can you talk a little bit about what is going on with the strike and what we're fighting for? Yeah, it's been a really um, kind of whirlwind couple of days and um, and trying to figure out how to explain what we are fighting for in a soundbite has been very difficult because um, the strike is about like really complex issues. And the way that I um, have tried to wrap my head around it is that it's like uh, we are labor. Writers are part of a labor force and we are um, our jobs are being undermined and they are being erased. And we are uh, fighting on behalf of like 10,000 members of the Writers Guild to ensure that writing jobs continue to exist, period, and that um, they that writing continues to be a sustainable career into the future. So when I say we, it's like, I mean, it sort of sounds like I'm part of some kind of elite group or something. And it's not an elite group. I, I want to make that really clear. It is a group of working craft people, which is awesome. And I am at the very bottom of this like sort of ladder or pyramid of folks that make up this union. I just recently got in. I have only worked on a couple of union shows and it is an incredible community to be part of. And um, there is a ton of solidarity with the other unions in the entertainment industry. So everybody recognizes that this, the issues that we are fighting they affect all of us and it's all about the future of the entertainment industry. And in a very, very simple form, it is um, making Hollywood a happier place. (laughs) That's awesome. That's, that's why we do this podcast and you are, uh, you're walking the walk right now. You've been on the picket lines for the last two days, right? That's right. You got to get your ass out there as soon as you're you're not working. Yeah, the, um, and so I, yeah, I wanted to say to all of our listeners, um, if anybody's interested in being um, in being involved and getting on the picket lines, um, all, all folks are welcome. Everyone who supports what the writers are fighting for and supports labor labor movements, everybody's welcome. Um, and uh, we are picketing at all the major studios. And if you would like to join, hit us up at Suss Up Hollywood, and uh, Jr. and I will let you know where we're going to be. Absolutely. It's exciting to get out there and and fight for what we all need because we're only as strong as we are together. That's right. And it was an incredibly inspiring thing, to be honest, to be in the uh, Shriner Auditorium tonight with thousands and thousands of people. Like, I don't know how many people could fit in there, but that place was packed elbow to elbow and uh, the energy level was amazing. Ah, that's just it's it's so inspiring. Yeah, man, we're doing it. We're doing it. All right. Well, I think now we can go back to our regularly scheduled programming. You're going to hear <laughs> another intro from me, but it's a past me. 
And I just want everybody to know that I'm a more enlightened me now. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, you guys, on the Hollywood Confessional. And we will have more um, interesting strike stories, uh, present and past, coming your way very soon. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome back to the confessional booth. It's me, J.R. Zamora Thal, accompanied by... Your favorite podcast priest, Megan Dane. J.R., it's one of the most exciting times of the year. Pilot season? Well, more for emerging creators. I'm talking actually about fellowship and festival season. Time to get those applications ready. Oh, I heard you say exciting. You actually said anxiety-inducing nightmare time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the anxiety of festival fellowship season can be a lot. I mean, you got to create the thing and then you got to perfect the thing and then you got to fill out an application and write essays and meet deadlines. And then wait like half a year or more to find out what happened, by which point you've probably had a totally new version of the project you submitted. Woo. Yeah. So what are you applying to this year? Uh, that'll have to stay between me and the confessional booth. All right, then. Behind the scenes at the Hollywood Confessional. Hopefully, whatever you do, you have less of a roller coaster ride than today's confessor. This is a writer who submitted their work to a major festival, only to learn their placements were all screwed up. Yeah, slight warning to our listeners on this one. A lot of entrants have had the same experience. But for our confessor, even after getting things cleared up with the festival, there were bigger issues. Maybe highlighting this confession will spark positive changes. That's the goal. Let's step into the confessional booth and see how it goes. Forgive me, Father, for I entered a film festival screenwriting competition. Oh, no. Gets me every time. I first entered seven years ago. Wait, hold on. What year did I graduate? How old am I? Oh my God. I graduated four years ago. <laughs> COVID was some seriously long years, man. So it was four years ago. I was in grad school. Someone was like, you have to do screenwriting competitions. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's a rule. So I entered the festival for the first time. I entered five things. Five things were second rounders. So I thought they were just letting everyone in. And that was as far as I got that year. The next year, they wanted none of my stuff. And then the next year I got into the semifinals and didn't even know it. No email, no letters, nothing. Someone was just like, You were a semi-finalist. I was like, oh, cool. But that was as far as I got that year. The way they do the announcements is they divvy it up. They're like, these are the second rounders, these are the semi-finalists, these are the finalists. And that way they like edge you along. <laughs> Basically everyone who entered was a second rounder. And then a couple of us got emails that were like, your thing was almost in the semifinals. You were so close. You were in the top 3% and we were looking for the top 2%. Then when it was time for them to announce the semifinalists, they sent us emails saying, you're a semifinalist, don't tell anyone. But what happened was someone in the office copy and pasted the wrong list. So everyone who was almost a semifinalist got an email saying, you're a semifinalist. Oh, no. Oh, that is so messed up. Yeah, writer Twitter blew up for a good 40 minutes until the office <laughs> caught on. <laughs> well, how did you feel when you started to see that some people were fake semifinalists? Well, I was lucky because I had something that was a semifinalist. And I also had two that were almost semifinalists. So I got both emails at the same time. <laughs> oh my God, that's insane. My roommate and I had made a blood pact that if one of us got into the semifinals, we would go to the festival. So I was like, I guess I'm going. But I was lucky compared to others because I'd gotten both emails. So I knew for sure that one of my scripts was 
really a semifinalist. I can just imagine the ones that weren't. All the badges that were bought and money that was spent to go. Oh man, that would be infuriating. So for me, I was a semifinalist and then a finalist. And I was like, cool. And once I was a finalist, they actually called me and said, we're going to do a reading of your script. Are you okay with that? I was like, hell yeah. I thought all the finalists were getting a reading. Spoiler alert, no. They picked one per category. So when I found that out, I was like, oh, obviously that means I won. Spoiler alert, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I've had readings of my scripts before, so I know the process. And right away, my question brain started going off. Because they called me on a Friday, and they were like, we're going to do a reading of your thing this Thursday. And that was it. So I sent an email like, hey, is there a director I can talk to? Can I bring my own director? Is this a Zoom rehearsal kind of thing? And they were like, oh, we didn't think about directors. You can just do that yourself. Oh, boy. So that was like red flag number one. And then they were like, "Okay, we're going to have Zoom rehearsal on Monday. And then the day for rehearsal showed up and half the cast wasn't there. And the organizers were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still working on getting the other half of the cast. Let's just read the movie. So we had the rehearsal. God bless those actors. They like doubled and tripled their roles, but it was a slog. And then Thursday came, the day of the reading. And I thought, maybe when I get there, it'll be all put together. My roommate and I flew in the morning of the reading. We used her aunt's airline miles because we're broke. We got a cheap motel away from the festival, right on the border of the hood and gentrification. (laughs) And it was great. Super excited to be there. I had met a couple of the other people on writer Twitter over the year. And I was like, I have a reading at Everyone come. I also knew people at the WGA caucus and they were coming. They gave us a little link. I'm having a reading, please come. So I gave it out to my school alumni. I posted it on Facebook, anywhere you could whore out. Please support this writer. (laughs) I sent it out thinking this was going to be a big deal. So after we got settled into our shitty we could have died motel, we went to the main hotel downtown by the convention center. Went upstairs to the floor where they were like, come get your badges. There was a nice table that said script competition. Got my badge, met the contest girl lovely young lady. And she goes, okay, here are your business cards. And I was like, what? And she handed me business cards that had the name of my script, the location of my reading, and the time. The way they made it seem, and the way you assume it would be at the biggest indie script competition in America, they had managers there for panels, they had agents there for panels, they had producers there for panels. So I had assumed that they were going to promote our readings at some point to say, hey, these are some of the finalists' script. Come listen to them. Just as a sanity check, I would also assume that. Boiler alert? Nope. (laughs) It was all on me. Oh, no. So she was like, here are all these cards. It's probably about 9 a.m. My reading's at like noon. And they were like, pass out these cards and try to get people to come. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there was a digital thing you could look on to see how many people had RSVP'd to your reading. And I kept checking it, being really narcissistic, like, Ooh, 19 of my friends are coming. That's awesome. Obviously, they keep the industry people secret because they don't want to be like Greg Berlanti is here. So I was like, 19 of my friends are coming, along with who knows how many secret industry people. I can't wait to go to this fancy reading. Good news, 19 people showed up. (laughs) (laughs) But instead of being in the main conference center, it was at a church around the corner in a back room. Just your classic setting for a table read. Yeah, they put us in the back room of a church. It wasn't just me. It was all the finalist scripts that were being read with no publicity to get people there. No cast until the day of. And I was the first one to go. Oh, no. 
They slotted two hours for everything. So I was like, okay, this is a 90 minute movie. We'll have a 30 minute talk back because I had been to festivals before and I was like, they're going to love the material and have lots of questions. And I can be like, this is the metaphor I was going for. These are my inspirations. Please rep me. And then Greg Berlanti was going to stand up and be like, staffed. (laughs) (laughs) I just knew that was going to happen. Turned out there was one industry professional who came. Just one. A woman from It said Scout on her badge. So I saw her out there and I was like, ooh, she's important. I just have to keep her in the room. (laughs) Oh no. This cracks me up and makes me so sad at the same time. It's like waiting for Guffman. My reading was supposed to start at 11, but things weren't quite ready. So I'm trying to be personable with everybody, but I'm also like stalking this woman. She was on the aisle by the door in that perfect scouty place where you're like, I can leave if it's bad. Next thing I know, the actors are ready. It's like 11.05. I start sweating a little bit. And then the contest person busts in the room and is like, I'm so sorry, the scripts aren't ready yet. We're working on it. Apparently, they hadn't printed the scripts ahead of time. I was like, okay, this is fine. I keep being personable. 11.10 rolls by. I'm watching this woman. She's on her phone, having a good time. 11.15. There's a little movement. My heart is sinking a little. I am going to have a panic attack if this goes on much longer. (laughs) By the time we get to 1130, I was like, I would have left by now. I had started up kind of a craft talk with the other writers like, oh, you're a finalist. What's your script about? Force networking, which is always the best. Then in the middle of me trying to talk to other people, the scout got up and walked out of the room. No. I was like, I want to chase you, but I know that's not professional. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I had just started this impromptu networking circle, and I would look like an asshole if I just walked out of it. So I watched her go, and I was like, well, there went everything I just borrowed airplane miles for. I have to apologize to my roommate. I have to go back to this hotel where we're going to get murdered. This woman literally walks out the door. But then about 10 minutes later, she came back. Yes. Oh, yay. Happy twist. I think she wanted to do a pity check. She was like, hey, did this guy actually write a script? At 11.45, the scripts finally showed up. And we ended 90 minutes later on the dot. So I was like, you can't tell me my pacing isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) From that day forward, all the other writers and me lovingly referred to those 45 minutes as the building of anticipation. And we were like, we're just building up that threat for the movie to start. And luckily, the reading went well. It had wonderful reception from the people I invited, and the actors afterward emailed me some really lovely things. So that's the story of how I got a reading at the biggest film festival in America, where they put me in the back room of a church, didn't do any publicity, and were almost an hour late with the scripts to the reading. And that's when I realized Hollywood is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened with the scout? Did anything come of that? Not that I know of. I think at the end of the day, they were there for the actors. Oh, man. I kept seeing her at all the things, looking at actors and making little notes on her phone. And all the readings where the actors weren't into it or weren't doing their job, she would just leave like 15 minutes in. This industry is maddening. I mean, especially when you enter these things with the expectation that they represent some kind of real opportunity for you as an artist. I mean, film festival entries aren't cheap. I think if you're running a festival and you're taking people's money to consider them, you have a responsibility to provide them with something meaningful in exchange. I mean, I don't think anybody's getting rich off of running a film festival. There's such huge undertakings. You have to have a certain amount of capital just to pull it off. And a lot of the labor comes from volunteers who are just trying to break in like the rest of us. Well, what do you think, Confessor? 
After all this, do you still see film festival screenwriting competitions as a good use of your resources? I don't know. I would say you get out of them what you put into them, which is really sucky because as an artist, you're like, I worked really hard to get to this point and I just need someone else not to fumble the ball. But when they fumble the ball, it makes you look bad. So my advice is go the extra mile yourself. Do what you can to make sure it goes off as well as possible. If you do that, it will still be a positive experience. Personally, I'm very lucky and I know that. My career trajectory has always gone sideways. So for example, I thought I had a reading and that reading was gonna get me read by managers, right? What happened was I got the reading, I was super pumped, I posted about it and someone saw my posts. She was an assistant to a manager who reps a lot of writers I'm in love with and that got me on the manager's desk. That's really awesome, congratulations. Thanks. So you see, it didn't matter if it was a great reading or a shit reading and only 19 people saw it. For all they know, it was a fantastic reading and my script made people cry. So that's what I would say. Sometimes just winning the thing and making the most of it can help you along the way. So if you submit your work to a film festival or another competition and you win, own it. Celebrate yourself, but don't expect anybody else to be impressed, which is kind of the moral of the industry. If you are going to do something, you need to care a lot, but don't be surprised or get mad when others don't. The best thing that ever happened to me is that my family doesn't know what the fuck I do because I was like, I was a finalist at They were like, okay, cool. You're still you. We still love you. And then I was like, I lost. They were like, okay, cool. You're still you. We still love you. Aw, that's beautiful. And it's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing your festival experience with us. Go create in peace, my child. Okay. After all that, I think I've changed my mind about submitting anything ever again. (laughs) But if you don't share your stuff, how do you know if it's any good? Like, don't we get graded on this shit? Come on. We're not going to be in school forever. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. It would be amazing to submit something and win. But what we're really out here to do ostensibly is art. Like the confessor said, if you make something, you got to care about it yourself, no matter what other people think about it. Yeah, but that's so hard. It's so (laughs) hard. I mean, we all want somebody to tell us how good it is. I think most of us want that sense of collaboration and community and validation. And that's one of the reasons why we're drawn to this industry in the first place, as opposed to like, I don't know, making model airplanes or something. Okay, well, let's not knock model airplanes. (laughs) But one organization that's great about creating that sense of community is Sundance. Obviously, we all know it's one of the most prestigious film festivals in the world. But Sundance also runs labs. They offer grants and they do lots of artist development programs, including a program for indigenous storytellers, one for women, one for producers. Truly an underrepresented voice in the industry. (laughs) I highly recommend checking out the various programs Sundance offers at sundance.org slash apply. And a special shout out to all the people who put these programs together. Whether it's a small local festival or one of these major global things, putting it together is major work. I put together a happy hour once, and that was the worst mistake of my life. Like, I can't even <laughs> imagine doing an entire festival. And just like you putting together a happy hour, these people are unpaid volunteers. Right. Great point. Uh, shout out to all the competition and festival volunteers out there, from the script readers to the check-in staff and beyond. Thank you for volunteering your time and energy to get these things running. We understand that there are often many things administratively beyond your control or generally overwhelming, but we salute you for giving your time. 
And we're not just saying that because we're about to enter something. (laughs) 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 That's a wrap for this episode of The Hollywood Confessional. If you're getting the itch to confess your deepest, darkest Hollywood secrets or give someone a shout out, please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook at Fess Up Hollywood. And please share the podcast with friends. Rate and review us. Five stars, of course. But of course. That helps us with the algorithm and highlights what we are doing to more and more listeners. That's all we got, guys. Until next time. Good luck with all those applications, Hollywood faithful. Go create in peace. The Hollywood Confessional is produced by Megan Dane and J.R. Zamorathal. Our cast for this episode, Claire Gruber, Amy Backlini, Uzo Chijoke. Special effects provided by Zapsplat and Pixabay. Hollywood Confessional is a Ninth Way Media production. Follow us on socials at Fess Up Hollywood.